Hi, welcome to Alley Meekly. Thanks for uh, clicking buttons. And now our voices happen. Keep on clicking. Keep on clicking. That's what you're good at. Don't uh, stop. Delete this and then re-download it. <laughs> it sounds better the second time. It's like a cup of tea. How about you download like 400 episodes of this and then just see which one sounds better or different. And also get all your friends in Russia to do the same. <laughs> so we're here, a little bonus today to uh, introduce what we have here, which is a discussion with an author at the Mystic Museum we did. It was a lot of fun. We got to hang out in the Han parlor. Yeah. You've heard the interview with um, the Mystic Museum, the yeah. people themselves. The reason we were there was to host this discussion with Craig Owen. He's an author. He's a photographer. He's a child. He's a lover. He's a, <laughs> he's a paranormal investigator of sorts. Yeah, he's more of a paranormal researcher, but you know, he might be a ghost. You know, we never yeah, figured we, that uh, out. We did, that was the one question we didn't ask. We said, oh, is Craig Owens here yet? And they're like, oh, he's been dead for 10 years. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so we had a good time with him at the Music Museum, which is, again, why we were there. And the name of his book is Haunted by History, which we volume have. Volume one. Volume one. Volume two seems to be coming out soon. You can get a copy of that on Amazon. You'll be able to catch him May 5th if you like. At the, it's something called a ghost hunt with Ghostwatch Paranormal at the Aztec Hotel, which is fantastic. I believe it's in Fantastic. Fantastic. It's that's downtown. No, that's the Mayan. That's I'm thinking the Mayan. of downtown. Aztec is Aztec Hotel, which is in Monrovia. It's a very haunted place. They're going to be having like an investigation done by the Ghostwatch Paranormal guys, and then a discussion with it with Craig and everything. It's tickets are forty five dollars to get in, but you want to go in because it's not open to the public. So this would be your chance to see the Aztec Hotel. Mm. Sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I've seen it. I've been to an Aztec, Aztec hotel Mayans, before. I get it. I read a book about the Aztecs. I, I'd rather go to the Olmec Inn. <laughs> you can also follow Craig on um, uh, Instagram. All sorts of things. It's bizarre underscore Los uh, underscore Angeles. Bizarre Los Angeles is the site he runs. It's a really great blog, and you can also find him on Facebook under Bizarre Los Angeles too. You can follow us if you want to on Instagram la underscore meekly, Twitter at la meekly, Facebook la meekly, Tumblr la meekly You can email us. Email us with any comments, questions, suggestions, requests for field trip episodes we are now yourself. We uh, have a new segment of our show, which is going to be starting our new episode where we're taking questions from our fans and we'll answer them in an episode. Yeah, so you can email us la.meekly at gmail.com or any way you want to yeah. uh, find us. Also, hey, subscribe to us on iTunes. If you, Here's the thing. If you listen to us but you aren't subscribed to us yet, do it. <laughs> Sorry, did I not put that gently enough? Do that because that way it's easier for you. Like whenever whenever something like this, which is a bonus thing and isn't just first of the month, you won't have to check first of the month. This will come to you automatically. And also it helps us to be more visible online. So it helps keep this going yeah. towards a greater future. No, What are you trying to sell me on? I subscribe already. <laughs> Eugenics. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so subscribe to us if you don't already. If you do already, leave us a review on iTunes uh, or a Star, star Rating, rating. Or anywhere you listen to podcasts. That if would be great. If you see in the street, you know, be nice to us. Leave a review if you see yeah, us in the street. Us, yeah, if you hmm, see us denim. <laughs> two stars. Hi, denim. No, thank you. That's how you can find us and contact us. And if you die, let Craig Owens know. Yeah, please contact him <laughs> please on contact Ghost Craig. Instagram. <laughs> Enjoy this talk at the Mystic Museum with Craig Owens. Spooky, spooky, boo. Those are the magic words to get in. Oh, is that, is yeah. that why they didn't want to let it. me in? Say it. <laughs> That's dumb when you say it. Nah, <laughs> I said boob. Damn it! <laughs> Don't give him your microphone. Hi, everybody. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming out. You're thanks. welcome. Yeah. <laughs> thanks for having us. Yeah. I speak for everybody when yes. I say you're welcome. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I want to ask you something that's been on my mind for a while because we've we've talked casually before. Uh, you seem to uh, just like the book. You, you you're like a man of many hats. Like you're a photographer. You're a historian. 
uh, you're a writer. What's your main, like, what's the main thing that all the other stuff hangs off of? Well, uh, that's a hard one to answer. Mm -hmm. um, I, I would say basically how this project started out is that I went to a hotel, it was the Mission Inn, and I was shooting something completely different than what turned out to be a book. But it was a vintage-inspired shoot. And I had heard that, I had heard that it was haunted, and, and uh, so I was curious about it, but I wasn't necessarily there to ghost hunt. And this was in 2009, it was August, 110 degrees outside. There were more staff in that hotel than there were guests. I mean, there was just nobody there. Ideal. We, we went like a whole day, and I hired one model. She had the room directly below me, and we just gathered up a bunch of vintage clothes, and it was gonna be for another website project that I had in mind that had more of an old Hollywood theme than a paranormal theme. So I picked a room that I didn't even think was haunted. Never heard anything about it. It's called the Carrie Jacobs Bond Suite. Uh, didn't know anything about the room, really, except they, they now call it one of the presidential suites. It's a pretentious name since no <laughs> president's ever stayed there. But they uh, could. <laughs> it was originally part of Author's Row. At least Carrie Jacobs Bond was an author <laughs> and, and songwriter. But now they call it Presidential Row and uh, Presidential Suites. So I, I took one of these. I'd never stayed in one of the expensive suites before. So because it was 2009, the hotel was out of season, I thought, hey, it's fine. I looked into the hotel photography policies. They allowed me to come in and shoot. So um, the model stayed right below me. Sure enough, we shot till like four in the morning. Mm -hmm. And I just collapsed on the bed. I mean, we had driven from LA to Riverside, had dinner, immediately started shooting. <laughs> and by four in the morning, I, you know, didn't even bother to undress. I just popped on the bed. <laughs> I was out, you know. Nine in the morning, uh, I get up, I have to square things with the bank. I'm running errands. I come back at noon. It's already 110 degrees outside. That's Riverside. why I remember. <laughs> yeah. And I, I walk into my suite. But it's not really a suite, it's just a very fancy room with a loft and stairs that go up to the loft. Sweet. Yes. I like that I did that? <laughs> yeah, it was a sweet room, not a suite. Um, so I go in there and I, I hear some uh, something being moved around in the bathroom. So I immediately thought, hey, this is uh, housekeeping's here. So I call out because I don't want to be rude. No one answers. I go into the bathroom thinking, well, you know, who's here? I'm going to no kill this here. person. <laughs> so I just, uh, I thought, well, okay, it's heat, it's hot, yeah. 110 degrees, it's, I'll let this one go. <laughs> I might be passing out, I don't know what's the happening. The model still <laughs> is asleep, I still had things I could be doing with my time, so I get on the computer and I'm sending and answering emails and uh, downstairs. And then I start hearing the sound of like coins dropping one by one on like a wood table. And I'm still ignoring, trying to ignore it. You know, I'm Room like, service. Typing, typing, typing. I'm hearing something weird, but I'm like, then I heard the click, clack, click, clack of women's heels up in that tile loft floor. Uh -huh. And they're heading from around that table area, because there was a table up there uh, in the loft, to the stairs that were about to come down to me. And I literally, you know, said, 
I was right. I don't know who I was writing this to, but I immediately said, I think I've got a ghost in my room. I gotta go check it out. Bye. Click. See. So I'm like, that be funny. First of all, first of all, I, I close all the windows. Uh -huh. Oh, and after checking outside, make sure no one's around, like pranking me. Yeah. And then I, uh, I grab a couple of audio recorders that I carried but had never used for EVP work. And uh, I went upstairs to the loft and I conducted like a 10 minute question answer. And I felt, I'll be honest with you, I felt like a total schmuck. <laughs> I'm talking to nothing but air. <laughs> like fixtures? How long have you been uh, here? <laughs> I am asking questions to nothing. A boy, okay? And um, so after 10 minutes, I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and I'm listening very intently because I'm listening for sounds outside. I'm listening, you know, uh -huh. I've never done this before. So I think all my senses were really amped, you know. <laughs> and uh, I knew I was doing everything right, no sounds. I go back to play back the audio. There is a voice, very faint. And I couldn't make it out what it was said, but it sounded female. Well, once I got my first EVP, yeah. electronic voice phenomena, I started playing it for everyone who would listen. <laughs> Pull over! <laughs> the model itself, you know, herself. And, uh, and I uh, immediately, I didn't have headphones because, again, I wasn't there to ghost time. Yeah, it was 2009. No one had headphones. No one had didn't, headphones. didn't have equipment. So I went and to Radio Shack, bought headphones. 2009. Yes, <laughs> 2009 <laughs> And I could make it out even clearer that it definitely was what I, you know, originally from the original speakers, it just sounded like a woman's voice. In headphones, it was a woman's voice. <laughs> was, it saying, was the voice saying anything? I still couldn't make it out because okay. it was very faint. So um, meanwhile, once the model had come upstairs around two, and I said, you gotta hear this, you gotta hear this. And she listened to it and said, I hear it. She said, by the way, why were you moving furniture around at five in the morning? <laughs> I went, what? And uh, she said that uh, she had just was on the brink of falling asleep when suddenly right up above her, and she's directly below me, mind you, she started hearing really heavy furniture being moved. Across, exactly. about, just we like just that. heard. Just like that. I think you might be followed. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, no. And, and we tested the furniture. The sofas and just stuff. I mean, if you ever tried to move hotel furniture, it's like it's yeah. they loaded up. Yeah, it's I try to, sand. Yeah. I try to take know, everything wow. out of a hotel when I leave. Right. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Uh, did I tell you that they're L.A. Meekly? <laughs> <laughs> I mentioned that LA we're Peabody and Sherman already. <laughs> L.A. Thievery. <laughs> so, so anyway, what, what I ended up doing is uh, I went downstairs to the front desk and I had to tell her that story too. And she, her reaction was very interesting. The Mission Inn has a policy not to discuss ghosts. I should warn you. <laughs> their Dawson's are like, that's one of... Go, uh, 101 Dawson thing at the yeah. Mission Inn. Never discuss ghosts. Only tangible things. Just smile and use, you know, and cry. <laughs> or just, or outright deny it. Yeah. It's good policy. And there's a reason for that. <laughs> and maybe if we have time, I'll even get to that. But, it, but, uh, but anyway, I played it to the front desk clerk and she said, 
well, that's very interesting. She said, now, were you moving furniture? And I said, no. And she said, well, that's, that's good to know because you're the third person that's told me this story since <laughs> I've been working here Ghost. in that exact same room. Wow. And uh, I said, oh, really? And she said, yes. And I was always afraid to call up into the Carrie Jacobs Bond suite at five in the morning. <laughs> are you, hello, are you moving furniture over there? If you're because a ghost hangover. Because if they hang say no why, you have to explain. Yeah. And then it gets Break really bad. <laughs> <laughs> For no reason. <laughs> Good night. It gets really bad. I just want to see if you could. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, so. I'll be honest with you at that point, mm -hmm. and this is a long answer to a short question, but uh, I, at that point, I ceased to be really interested about uh, the photo shoot. Yeah. I became totally hooked on, when's the next ghost thing? <laughs> you know, what's going to happen next? I became so, but, uh, and you could get mission in employees to talk about the hauntings yeah. off the record. You can always do that, and they will talk, because there are to so many stories and so many things that happen. We were shooting, uh, it's in the, it's a, there's a picture in the book of a woman in a red dress standing at the door to the chapel. And what was funny is I'm in the shadows and we're shooting this at like 2.30 at night or in the morning. Close to the witching and hour, suddenly, you can't do that. And suddenly <laughs> this security officer runs around the corner and nearly collides with me. Well, he jumped out of his skin when he saw me and with the camera on <laughs> And he immediately asked to see our key cards and I showed him the key cards. So, you know, because as long as you are staying there, yeah. you, can, you can shoot. Ghosts don't have um, key cards, yeah. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Notorious. Well, that was just it. That's what he told me is he said, you know, you scared the crap out of me because I thought I had seen a ghost. <laughs> Which don't exist in this hotel. <laughs> right. Well, that's right. Yeah. He said that, but it was the lady in red, not necessarily me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's uh, scary. At the doorway. And he said, I was just about to, I was running down to check it out. I was about to radio it in. And it's true. He had his radio <laughs> oh, like this when he jumped and almost dropped. Who are you going to radio? And I asked him, I said, well, have you ever seen a ghost here? And he said, well, no, I haven't. I've only been here for two months, but all the security guards have told me so many things, I just know it's a matter of time yeah. before I see <laughs> So sure enough, on my last day at the Mission Inn, I saw my first ghost. And it was quite by accident. And it was during a break in shooting, and it was a shadow figure, okay? I didn't believe in shadow figures at that time. I was so thought I knew a lot uh -huh. about the paranormal and just from watching the shows and reading parapsychology books as a kid and, and, and all that sort of stuff and uh, it was it fooled me I actually thought it was a shadow it wasn't like I imagined the shadow the shadow was there it looked like it was peeking around the corner Oof. something uh, what it made me notice the shadow is as I was walking across the courtyard into the Alhambra Mirador suite, some movement caught my eye. So I'm like looking down this open mouth tunnel and uh, that leads directly into the hotel. And nothing seemed unusual except that shadow. And so I bypassed it because mentally I matrixed, that's a shadow. <laughs> nothing to be alarmed. <laughs> so going through a second time, looking over every detail, I landed back on that shadow again 
and I start asking, what is producing that shadow? Where's the light source? I'm not asking out loud. Yeah. I'm not asking the shadow. <laughs> the shadow knows. But, but suddenly, exactly. Suddenly that shadow just whipped around the corner super fast. And I was like a deer in headlight. Okay. I was a deer in headlight. Not so for about one, two seconds I was like going. So I, I, like a school like Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> like little rascals, you know? Um if I'd had one of those little hats with the propeller, that's it's the moment spinning. when the propeller spin off its axis. So I, uh, I uh, went and I said, well, I better check it out. So I go around that alcove where it disappeared, and it only went to two rooms. Okay, one room to the left was a room that I later found out was supposed to be very haunted. Mm-hmm. Uh, it often gets misinterpreted or mistakenly referred to as the honeymoon suite because no the first ever had a ghost story had to do with a husband and bride staying there. Uh-huh. You'll know it because it has a, a metal spiral staircase that goes from the first floor to the second floor. Uh-huh. The second room door to the second room was the room I was going to be sleeping in. <laughs> I guess my car is kind so of comfortable. <laughs> I, I went back in and finished the shoot. It was a horrible night. Yeah, must we heard have been. footsteps overhead <sighs> the entire time. There wasn't even a floor ahead of us, but we were hearing footsteps overhead. And it sounded like someone was throwing like something really heavy on the Spanish tile on the roof. So I'd go out and look around. We tried to catch it on recorders, but by the time we thought of that, it had kind of stopped or had slowed down. So I, uh, and then the next morning I woke up at seven in the morning to a loud door slam. And so I was immediately up, dressed, checked out, I asked who else was up there that night, was told that I was the only guest that night. <laughs> I told them about the door slam, they checked all their records, none of their employees had entered any of the rooms upstairs. Uh, on the fourth floor that morning because they would have a record yeah because everyone uses the key card oh boy so where that door slam came i don't know it was a great unwelcome welcome call (laughs) and i went home and i called everybody i knew sent emails off what is a shadow person what is really a shadow person and i got all kinds of crazy responses from indian tribal spirits to an out-of-the-body experience from someone living yeah. uh, aliens from another That's my planet. favorite um, yeah. people from the future that are time traveling to the <laughs> aliens from the future uh, <laughs> or some dark demonic thing well I didn't feel it was dark or demonic yeah. it was just peeking around a corner <laughs> me and it just lived around and disappeared so the best I could come up with best explanation mm-hmm. is that it is in fact a ghost Shadow people are ghosts, and that ghosts have different levels of manifestation. Mm-hmm. The, the, the best one being full body, where you can touch them, literally, they assume mass, and you cannot see through them. Probably the lowest form of manifestation is a mist or a smoke, but the shadow is a level up from the mist and smoke. Mm-hmm. It's kind of somewhat shapeless, hasn't fully assumed uh, the look of a human, although it may be somewhat human-like. The shadow I saw, and which is very common among people that have seen shadow people, is that it's very dark, it's two-dimensional, 
it's blacker than black, okay? It's, it's, and it, this one was, it was darker than the other shadows in that hallway. And it looks like it's wearing a cowl. And the cowl is the, the key word. It's not it could be Batman wearing a cowl. Well, it could be. <laughs> no, 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 Anything no. could. <laughs> but, um, and being that the mission man and, you know, Frank Miller, the person that built the mission, was supposedly, it is uh, was supposedly used to wear a friar's uh, okay. thing on, on, on weekends. Yeah. Or special holidays, especially Christmas when he was alive. He died in 1935. Uh -huh. um, anyway, uh, again, but people have seen cowled shadow people in other locations mm -hmm. and all around the world. So, I mean, not everyone could be, you know, a, a building uh, owner that just happened to dress <laughs> at Christmas time. So maybe it's just a low level, it's trying to form uh -huh. in some way, and so it's kind of blocky, so it gets mistaken as a, a cowled figure. I see. Then as it, you know, progresses, it can be semi-transparent, it starts taking on more features, and it just depends on, you know, what energy it's drawing upon and how much it really wants to manifest. Okay. That's the best explanation I could come up with a shadow person. It's the only one that makes sense to me. <laughs> but I, I'm a person that tries to uh, use common sense and critical thinking skills yeah. in trying to determine everything. I question everything, so um, especially when it comes to the paranormal. Yeah, you, you are very skeptical sometimes. I could hear you talk and you're like, no, nah, I don't know, I don't believe that. You also, one of my favorite things that you do is you will track a uh, yeah. ghost story to the, the root and be like, that, this is why it started. You're exactly. very good at that, yeah. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that was the, that, now we're getting back to the question again. Uh, <laughs> the answer to that long question is that after that experience, yeah. that changed me, and, but I started to question what is really haunting the mission in? Because you're not going to get it from the Dawson's. You're not going to get it from, you know, you're getting piecemeal answers from various yeah. people that have pieces to this puzzle. But when did the ghost story start? What was the Kerry Jacob Bond room before it became a presidential suite? You know, um, where did Frank Miller live and die? Where did, you know, these supposed ghosts so I started going back and researching and researching and researching and the answers, it, it was like one rabbit hole led to another rabbit yeah. hole to another rabbit hole. Well, I can answer the question about Carrie Jacobs' Bond Suite. Mm -hmm. It was completed uh, not as a suite for people to live in, but it was uh, 1929 when it opened and it was a ladies' recreation hall which is why I caught a woman's voice oh, upstairs. That makes sense. They would hold occasional weddings up there. And, um, and when Frank Miller got his big award from the emperor of Japan, uh, the emperor didn't show up for it, but he said, <laughs> nephew of a nephew of a nephew, <laughs> who, you know, and someone from LA, you know, from the consul, yeah. to bestow the award on him. Why wouldn't the emperor of Japan want to come to Riverside? So it, was, it was used as, a, as, as something other than a guest room. It became a guest room probably when it reopened around 1992, okay? So up until that time, it was just a social hall where primarily, it was primarily open for women. And if you look at, there is an old picture of the way the Kerry Jacobs Bond room used to look uh, back in the 30s. 
and there's no beds. I mean, it, it is a really nice, quaint meeting ground. Yeah. Now let's get back to the EVP that I caught. Once I got home, I could hear it better. So I started like literally listening to it. And it was a woman that sounded like she was responding to me. It's very faint, but I could make out when I, when I asked the question, asked the question was like, can you come closer to me so we could talk? <laughs> this woman immediately said, sure, I would love that. <laughs> and How polite. Said, and then she said something, something I couldn't understand. And then she ended with this forlorn, I want to go home. <laughs> and that broke. That broke my heart. Yeah. That's what I thought I heard. Can't be that. And so I became curious. Then I went to the Pierpont in, in Ventura. Same thing happened. It, uh, not exactly the same thing, but there were footsteps at night in this building that no one had access to except me. I had put place to record on the, the fireplace that night. And we did get voices during some of our EVP sessions. Again, I was doing a vintage style photo shoot for this other project I had in mind. So I started asking questions about why is this place haunted? And I got a wide variety of different answers. So I thought, well, let's go to the source of it. Let's go back to the archives mm -hmm. and let's find out exactly who lived and died there and, and stop relying on hearsay or what was published in other paranormal books. Right. So I wanted to find out when these ghost stories went public, who started them, and how had they changed. And I was shocked. The answers are shocking. For instance, I, I did the prelude mm -hmm. that the Mission Inn uh, doesn't like to talk about ghosts. Well, that's kind of a new policy. And as much as they love to uh, talk about how they embrace the old and <laughs> That's one. That's the one thing they are. <laughs> that hotel opened in 1904. By 1908, it had its first ghost story. Wow, that quick! And everyone was talking about the catacombs being haunted. Those are the underground tunnels. Oh, and the archways. Nowhere. Yeah, they're structurally unsafe. So they, so they say. So that keeps a lot of rookie loos yeah. from getting in there, and also stopped them from doing their Halloween tour. But guess what? Those things were being constructed around 1910, 1911. It was already haunted before they were even completed. Did you know that? <laughs> the catacombs. And they had a name for the ghost, even. Really? If you look into the Riverside newspapers, uh -huh. they called it the Glenwood Ghost. And the reason why it was called the Glenwood Ghost was because the Mission Inn originally started as the Glenwood Cottage. Then it became the Glenwood Hotel, the Glenwood Tavern. Then when the they tore most of that stuff down to build the mission in. From its inception in, uh, I want to say 1904, it could have been a little earlier, but 1904 to about 1919, mm -hmm. it was called the Glenwood Mission Inn until they finally decide, you know, enough of this Glenwood stuff. <laughs> so in 1910, it was called the Glenwood Ghost. And there is a suicide that happened there uh, of a prominent person that worked the staff and was the owner's like right-hand person and it was a very weird he, he left a pseudo suicide note it doesn't really say I've decided to end it yeah. it's just a note say give all my belongings to such and such, such, and such. <laughs> no one really understands why this person committed suicide he had wanted to be buried on the mission grant uh, in grounds 
but he had no money for any of that. Mm. Well, the owners weren't going to allow that. Yeah. But because he was cl a close friend of the families, they sent him to L.A. to be cremated, and then they interred his ashes in their family plot in Riverside. Not just not a year after that suicide, the first ghost story started wow. to appear. And so I, I discuss all of that in the book, mm -hmm. names and details of the uh, of this person's life. The Dawsons don't really like to talk about that, but even the family got into it. The Miller family, uh, Alice Miller, his sister, was big into spiritualism. Um, she would have seances. Frank Miller ran the entertainment across the street at the Loring Theater. Mm -hmm. He would book spiritualists to entertainment. They didn't have an issue with spiritualism. They didn't have an issue with promoting their ghosts. There's one story that made the uh, newspapers about one of the relatives. They, they showed up some, they had some kind of staff party for employees at the Mission Inn. He shows up dressed as a ghost, wearing a white coat. Oh my God. <laughs> He's obviously playing off yeah. on, on the, the ghost legend. Sure. Because the way the article read is that he scared everyone away once he came in dressed as a ghost. Um, so yeah, you know, the reason why the Mission Inn doesn't do that has to do with the new owners, okay? Uh -huh. um, the new owners, uh, I guess they became, from what I understand from a family member, I don't write about this because it's hearsay, I haven't it's, these are kind of tough questions to ask an mm -hmm. owner if you get hold of them. <laughs> are you sitting down? Are you a born-again Christian and that's why you don't allow ghosts? <laughs> I don't think those kind of questions you know, fly really well. But, um, but they also wanted to emphasize more of the history thing. But I'll tell you, as much as they want to deny that it's haunted, stories happen all the time there. And you go around Riverside, you'll find some waiter that said, oh yeah, I did an event there. Yeah, this tray like flew across the <laughs> floor and crashed against yeah. the wall, spilling all these drinks and stuff. And, and uh, there used to, and when the Mission Inn went into deep decline, <clears throat> and they were fighting to literally save the building, the rumor going around town was the only one that was holding up the Mission Inn walls was the ghost of Frank Miller, <laughs> you know, the owner. That, and I do believe he is one of the ghosts. Strangely enough, he died in one of the rooms. The hotel, uh, it's on the fourth floor. That's where the family lived and died, uh -huh. on the fourth floor. And it's that fourth floor that's really active, okay? Every time I've gone there, something has happened. And that Carrie Jacobs Bond Suite is a haunted suite. Um, I went there back again to do the photo shoot there. We caught EVPs there again the second time. So it is an active suite. That whole fourth floor is active. I even found out through my research that other people had seen a ghost in the same hallway that I had seen mine. Or that people had heard footsteps overhead when there isn't another floor. Once I found out that I'm not alone in experiencing this stuff, I started to believe myself a little bit. <laughs> you cut yourself some slack? <laughs> I mean, really, when, when paranormal activity happens, and Eric, you've had some experiences here. The, your first thought is, I'm crazy. <laughs> Usually, you, you know, you start well, thinking I'm crazy. And then after a while, awesome. 
No. <laughs> well, that's that comes later. Yeah. But those first few times, you're like going, "Wait, I laid, I laid this wrench here. Why is it stuck in the door?" <laughs> you know, 15 minutes later. You know, or first, you want to hug yours? Yeah, this is this Eric. Is Eric everybody. If you haven't met him. He's he's uh, one of the proprietors. Hello, my name's Eric. Um, my first separate experience by myself here. Uh, was so realistic, I actually thought we were being broken into and being robbed at the time. So yeah, you're right. I thought I was crazy. I ran for a bat, I ran for the phone, I had 911 ready to dial. But before I did that, because in Burbank, if you call 911 and it's false, not false, but they deem it to be a false alarm, they charge you. So, so what you think is a free service, the police department is not. Um, so I, I called, um, uh, Kiko, the other owner, and I asked her to check um, on her phone because I was too afraid to go on the side where all the computers were set up and see if any of the doors had been open because you could see with the alarm system what time doors. Had. And she said nothing was open, and I was like, somebody's in here with me. <laughs> Freaked me out. So ever since then, I, I, I think just a couple days ago was the first time I spent the night here alone. Like um, I was here till like two in the morning working on stuff, and it literally took about <laughs> six months before I was like. Okay, now I feel comfortable being by myself. So. Did you do that thing where you ran through the entire place turning all the lights on? Thank you both. <laughs> um, they were already on. Oh. I was. It was when we were remodeling, getting this place ready to open. This half, that half was already open, and I had plastic covering these um, walkways between one side and the other side. And when I was ready to leave, I turned off my extremely loud music I was listening to at the time. And as, as soon as I shut it off. I just heard footsteps like running from one side to the other side, but on the opposite side that I was on. Yeah, it was so realistic. I thought somebody was here, and um, I, and it completely freaked me, out. <laughs> freaked me out. So, so that's one of them. Uh, uh, Stephanie and Kiko, they've had plenty of experiences where they've actually seen full-on apparitions and shadow figures. Right. Yeah. Wow. So I think one of the what would happen to me was one of the. Uh, apparitions that Kiko saw, we believe that um, through psychic mediums and friends of ours who like, came in here and actually had the same story of the same person, like they all said, no, it's this little girl, she's here, there's also this guy here, and there's also this other lady here. They all said the same thing without knowing each other. So we believe it's this little girl that like <clears throat> likes Kiko and Stephanie, <laughs> but likes to mess with me. <laughs> so... Like yeah, I probably won't stay here that late. By myself. <laughs> Most people are that way. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's what happens. So, so you know, uh, we'll get to the you know, next question, uh, but the or comment. But the, the the point is, is as I started to focus more on the book, I I think that the only real way to understand the nature of the hauntings is to actually have a very found strong foundation of what. The history was what the social uh, history of that place. Um, how did it fit within the society? What was the purpose of building the hotels? There was a different purpose back then as opposed to now, where you know you just build a motel eight for the sake of building a motel mm -hmm. eight, and your statistics tell the office <laughs> that this is the place. <laughs> you know, or an Econo lodge, and and they built you know they built hotels now. Not every hotel. Because there are still some luxury hotels being constructed in parts of the world, but the vast majority of hotels have no desire for you to stay there all day long. 
they want, you know, they understand you're here to sightsee, you're here to go to other places. So they just give you a bed, room, few amenities, maybe a bagel and lox and cereal in the morning. <laughs> and then you're on your own. Uh, back then though, it was different. Uh, the Hotel Del Coronado was built, and it still has maintained that, where you really don't want to leave and you, everything's there for you during your stay mm -hmm. there. Same thing with the Mission Inn. Good luck trying to see anything as interesting as, as the Mission Inn. <laughs> you know, you might as well just stay there. And, and they know that. And so they try to cater to, to those every needs. Um, the Julian Gold Rush Hotel was built um, in Julian, California, just because all the old hotels were ratty and they felt that this was a good place and a good time to build a new hotel. But a lot of people didn't just stay there for a night or two nights or for the weekend. Some of them chose to live there at those hotels back then. Alexandria Hotel, uh, downtown Los Angeles, was uh, built in 1900, opened in 1906. Uh, it was the first, they built that with the intention of making it the first five-star hotel Los Angeles really ever had. Mm -hmm. Up until that time, they would have nice hotels, but even, it's, it's as typical today as it was then, these big splashy things would happen and they'd go out of fashion. <laughs> you know, the next big thing, oh, this one has a working elevator. It <laughs> new. Five years later, hey, who wants to ride that elevator? <laughs> <laughs> Stairs are back in. <laughs> so the Alexandria was literally built to be a hotel where people stayed and wanted to stay. It was built on, deliberately built on the edge of the new emerging financial district because all these miners, all this new money was coming into Los Angeles. So they needed um, a hotel that reflected the city. Because you've got to remember, Los Angeles back then was smaller than Detroit. It wasn't, you know, it, it may have been breaking the top 10 biggest cities in, in the US, you know, at the turn of the 20th century. Um, it was definitely booming and no one could really keep track of all the people flooding in there for yeah. hell. Uh, it was a major place because all the uh, gold booms that were going on in Nevada, where do you think the meetings were? Being held, they weren't being held in Nevada. The goldfield people were coming to the Alexandria to find speculators to invest on the exchange in LA uh, because it was closer than San Francisco, which was the next big place yeah. to invest out in the West. Otherwise, you had to go to Chicago or you had to go back to New York to do it. So that's why LA was growing, is the speculators were coming into town. And the weather and the, the clean health. And by 1910, the movie colony started mm -hmm. to come here from New Jersey. Biograph films, uh, D.W. Griffith, Mary Pickford, Jack Pickford, Max Sennett, they all came over for a, a winter in 1910. Mm -hmm. And they loved it, so they decided to come back every winter. Well, D.W. Griffith did. Uh, Max Sennett took one visit before he decided he'd break away and move his keystone over. So there's a reason why these hotels flourished. There's a reason why these hotels were built. Um, and so it, they offer a very different history than, say, today's hotels. Yeah.
Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, <That's> your question. <laughs> uh, you were talking about the Alexander where you stayed, and that's an entry in your book as well. That's one of the places where I believe Houdini's wife, after he passed, was starting to have seances. Well, for she, she did the seances at the Knickerbocker. Knickerbocker. Thank you, audience. Hollywood Knickerbocker Hotel. Mm-hmm. With, now, Houdini had a... Um, he had a relationship with the Alexandria Hotel. He was there in 1919, and when he would come to LA, which wasn't very often, uh, he, you know, he would either stay with friends or he would stay at the Alexandria. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hollywood Roosevelt is a weird location because, it, for one thing, it didn't open until 1929. Um, it had been built in 1926, but it had been a, an empty building the builders that had built the original building had gotten into a big litigation. They ran out of money and started suing one another. <laughs> so it just remained an empty building. So all the talk about Valentino riding down from the hills, it's all hot. That's okay? <laughs> my favorite one. <laughs> I know, Valentino never set foot in the Knickerbocker Hotel. It didn't become the Knickerbocker Hotel and actually a functional building until 1929. Again, this is the, these are the, the falsehoods that I had to go and investigate yeah. because they get repeated. It's on E Entertainment. It's on. <laughs> it, it's everywhere. If it's on E, it's times. true. <laughs> yeah, and and the conserva- uh, you know, everyone gets the the, the the history so wrong. Yeah, it's easier it's, that way. <laughs> it's often hiding in plain sight if you just look, you know. But no one's looking. So uh, it, until I did, mm-hmm. um, and. Um, yeah, I got into this big discussion with Richard Garradine of Ghost Hunters of Urban Los Angeles mm-hmm. about this because he really tours and he takes them to the Hollywood Knickerbocker. Mm-hmm. He says, Valentino, please stop that. <laughs> <laughs> that, ghost, that ghost story originated in 1994. It was started by a guy named Max Fisher who ran the All-Star Cafe out of that hotel. He had a crush a man crush on Rudolph Valentino. Who was long dead. Who doesn't? In honor of Rudolph Valentino. He even has a picture of himself taken dressed as Valentino. <laughs> so I'm not saying that the All-Star Cafe was is not a haunted place because I've heard from other people, credible sources, that things did happen there when it was open in the 1990s. But Max Fisher was a showman. And so he was trying to bring people in. So he was attaching celebrities to these places. Mm-hmm. He saw a shadow. Oh, it's Valentino. <laughs> it's William Crowley. Someone says they saw a ghostly blonde in the bathroom. Oh, it's Marilyn Monroe. It's Valentino in a week. one step further and say Marilyn Monroe and Joe DiMaggio had their honeymoon there. Oh. No, they didn't. <laughs> read read the, the books. I mean, they got married in San Francisco. They'd spent their literal honeymoon night just outside of San Francisco. Then they disappeared for a while. It wasn't at the Hollywood Roosevelt. Because that's where, uh, see, 20th Century Fox had Marilyn Monroe signed a contract. They didn't want her marrying Joe DiMaggio. When she disappeared to marry him, guess what? She was suspended. <laughs> and so, and it's, that's why she disappeared You're right out. after the marriage. She went into hiding. So the Fox sent spies everywhere. And there were definitely wow. spies sent to the Hollywood Roosevelt. So. They would have found her if she were there. <laughs> what happened was she was in Palm Springs mm, for a few days. Yeah. And then DiMaggio flew back to go back to work. He flew back to New York. And she kind of sauntered in to Hollywood uh, and negotiated a meeting with, uh, uh, was it Selznick? Uh, no, 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 the mayor? Uh, 
Who's the fox guy? Forgot his name. Fisher? No, it's in Zucker. Zucker's, um, Zucker's, um, Zook, uh, I'm getting my labels confused here. (laughs) But anyway, she went back and got unsuspended and all was forgiven. But, you know, these are how these urban legends start and they just get repeated over and over again until people literally believe that they're fact. Yeah. And there have been whole books written about and, and maps, creepy as <laughs> Here's where Valentino's ghost are. <laughs> Here's a direct route of the horse. Map to the And so then you get ghost. people seeing these maps and go, I've got this new paranormal theory. Valentino's just going through the same cycles he did when he was alive. He's going to the Paramount. Going, <laughs> then he has to go back over to the Alexandria. Then he goes you know, for tea at the Hollywood Roosevelt. He's got to get traffic. And how come we don't see him at the unglamorous places? Most of that stuff is completely made up. Here's a funny. Here's a, here's another example of Valentino. Um, the Alexandria Hotel. We all have heard about the Valentino suite, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you go on Instagram and get your Insta paranormal history there, and you know look up Elvira or or, or you know Black Dahlia six six and six, whoever is the you know the online personality at the time at the moment, and they'll say I just did a photo shoot. The, uh, the ghost of Valentino was supposedly seen here, and he wears a white suit, and he goes saunters down the hall. Wrong. <laughs> he never you know, sauntered. Here's, here's the here's the fact. It's it's in it's in the book, but I'll, I'm going to spoil it. This part. Uh, Valentino did in fact stay at the Alexandria when he first came to L.A. from San Francisco in 1917. He had no place to stay. Mm-hmm. He was friends with an actor that was working in the film industry named Norman Carey. Norman says, "Hey." You can stay with me for a while and introduce you to Sam Goldwyn and Jack Warner and all these other people that are all living at the Alexandria <laughs> Hotel at that time. So they did. He made his rounds. But then Norman Carey decided if World War II, I mean, World War I was breaking out, so Norman Carey decided to do something for the troops, but he was going to Canada. Nah. <laughs> it wasn't to avoid. I just got to cross the border real quick. He didn't, didn't, didn't raise questions. So I'm supporting the war efforts. I'm going to Canada. So he checks out of Alexandria and he goes to Canada. And uh, so Valentino, who was broke, had to have another place. So he went. And he uh, he was investing all his money in clothes at that point. So he had nice clothes, real Solid flashy investment. looking guy. But he, you know, but he was living in a dive yeah. a few blocks away from the Alexandria. So um, he did stay there. All those records are gone. If, if they even existed at all, since he was a guest of a paying mm-hmm. person there. Um, in the 30s, all those records got lost when the Alexandria went bankrupt and they auctioned everything off. There's a lot of records. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, just $4. they were just it's, trashing oh, boy. They were going through everything. They, they found like thousands of dollars in an envelope that D.W. Griffith had stored with them and forgot all about it. You know? Um, it's hard so to move that furniture, just, though, from what I hear. They were just getting cleaning house, and they threw out everything. So what ended up happening is uh, the Alexandria was almost torn down in the 60s. Uh-huh. Um, a couple of actresses convinced the owner to try to do something with the hotel to reignite it, the popularity. So they decide, he decided Burn to it down. <laughs> and they, and they, they gave it a complete Victorian look. 
but then they started naming suites in honor uh. of people that had stayed there. So they took this one suite upstairs and they named it the Valentino suite. They just happened to pick a suite that is haunted. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Thus, the story of Valentino's ghost haunting that room. And I, and I can vouch for it. It is haunted. I shot there. I shot there, and, and it was one of my very first shoots for this book. Uh -huh. And it went late at night, and it was dark. And the leasing agent for the Alexandria came up after work, and so I put it, he was annoying, so I put him in the back room <laughs> with a little spotlight, trying to do this little hallway <laughs> into the front room where I had the model posed, right? And uh, so we're trying to get this shot. He starts saying back there, he says, man, can you kind of, I'm getting kind of creepy back here. Things are kind of spooky. It's getting cold. And uh, can you uh, can you hurry up and get the shot? And I'm like, I look back at him and I'm rolling my eyes and I go, I'll get the shot. I'm working on it. Don't worry. Just hang back there a little bit more. And he's, a couple of minutes pass by and suddenly this door in that room where the, the leasing agent was just slams. So loud and so hard that all the glass start moving. Oh. The leasing agent screams. And he's holding this spotlight beam and that beam is like <laughs> all over the wall. <laughs> beam screaming. And everyone, I mean even we all jumped. I, I'll admit I jumped too. Captain. You know, we all jumped at that cuz that was like so unbelievable. Yeah. Because that door that slammed was a door we thought was permanently sealed open. We tried to close it earlier in that oh. day. But, you know, you got to understand that Valentino Suite hasn't been touched since 1970. So everything looks like 19-teens, which mm -hmm. fools everybody. Um, that's all 70s Victorian recreation stuff. But the tiles in this little no-window bathroom were, were warped, and that door was open right in the middle of those tiles. So when we tried to, to we thought we were going to break the door. It was just sealed shut due to the warped floors of the tile. So we didn't mess it. We were messed with it. We were just saying, we're, we will shoot around it. Yeah. Well, guess what? That's <laughs> the door that slammed shut. Oh. And that picture is uh, on the wall. Oh, that one? I should left. point out, yeah. these are a couple of pictures. Both from, his. Like, photo shoots. Picture on the left, that was taken in the Valentino suite. And if you see the door closed, that's the door that it slammed <laughs> shut. I wouldn't have stood near so it. So we, we shot that photo <laughs> obviously after the door slammed, but I had to calm everyone down and say, you know, guys, it's okay if it's if it, it's a ghost. The chances are this is the only uh, thing that's going to happen. It <laughs> just doesn't happen. But if something does happen, we will stop and look into it. <laughs> and sure enough, but we really got to get the shot. Uh, <laughs> I know everyone's scared, but <laughs> I'm not paying overtime. <laughs> There's a great picture of, of the, in, in the book of, of one of the models, and she's dressed all in red with the red uh, wallpaper from the Alexandria suite, mm -hmm. and she looks frightened. She is. I mean, that, was right <laughs> at, that was the picture I was trying to take when the door slammed, and she was just like, you know, Good, I'm use that. Yeah. I mean, it was, it, was, it, was, it was an ordeal, and it had me convinced. It had me convinced. Now, here's the, uh, let me go back into an earlier rabbit hole. When I first looked at that place with the leasing agent, I said, what's the ghost stories? He said, oh, well, Val one of Valentino's wives 
after hearing that Valentino committed suicide, she committed suicide. And of course, I knew that was nuts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he was married twice, both lived to be perfectly <laughs> old wives. No, no one committed suicide, no wives committed suicide because of Valentino. Career suicide. At least not Valentino's wives. Yeah. And, uh, and second of all, um, he said that a uh, still photographer had been there a few weeks ago and a door slammed on it. And I went, oh yeah, what door? And he showed it and, and it was a door in the hallway and there was a cross breeze going through there. So I went, eh, not paranormal. <laughs> not paranormal, it was just a cross breeze, got that solved. Yeah. Door slammed on me. <laughs> like, cross breezes don't exist. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. You know, there was something to that other claim. You know? <laughs> Maybe, uh, you know, other people have had that experience. So, it, 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 you know, I'm not nearly as skeptical as I used to be mm -hmm. because I tend to err on the side of being too skeptical. You know, um, I prefer to err that way. Um, you know, I'd rather uh, show me and I'll believe kind of attitude. Yeah. And, uh but I, I will admit that I've had to reevaluate things a lot more and open open up my philosophy about haunted places, uh, ghosts, the existence of ghosts. I firmly believe that they do exist. Um, but it took this project to like really convince me over a hundred percent. You know, so I always say I'm a reluctant believer. <laughs> I, it's true. So I, I do like to play both sides of the aisle and test people's beliefs. <laughs> I will tell you, you know, um, they do exist. And as much as I wish they didn't, as much as I wish, because it's much easier to side with the non-believers and just, because they sound so scientific. Yeah. They sound so logical. Yeah. And it's like, why am I wired to believe this? And it's because there's something in their logic that is wrong, no matter how sound it is. And I have theories as to what, what's wrong with their logic. Um, I think they tend to whitewash everything mm -hmm. um, and try to make broad generalizations to dismiss the paranormal. That's a big mistake. It's a big mistake to make broad generalizations to prove that, or to argue that the paranormal is, uh, exists. You have to take, you know, case by case and look into it. But I think that that's one thing. But um, but the one thing I discovered, we have a. I I did take a ghost photo and I showed it around to different people, including non-believers. I've seen it. I, Jealous. <laughs> the, the best I can get is you're a liar. <laughs> that's a fake. You're a liar. And I'm like, that's your best explanation? <laughs> you know? Um, and I'm saying, okay, well, uh, lesson learned is that people will believe what they want to believe based on their system of beliefs. And while the non-believers love to throw that like a custard pie <laughs> in the face of believers, mm -hmm. Like, you just want to believe what you want to believe. <laughs> <laughs> You're guilty of the same thing. <laughs> it's the, it, it, they're guilty of the same thing. So that's what I, I learned. And I was like, wow, this person who told me that I was a liar, also happens to be an atheist, doesn't believe in God, doesn't believe in any of this. So obviously he's not going to believe in ghosts. Mm -hmm. 
Um, now, I'm not a big believer in go, uh, God. I'm not a big believer in a lot of the stuff that are attached to paranormal. I'm still kind of skeptical and show me. Show me a demon and I'll believe it. But until I don't see ask. one, I don't believe in it. Oh, here he is. <laughs> then I met them. <laughs> We're not demons. It's harsh. <laughs> yeah. We're cherubs. Yeah. 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 I had some cherubs. Yeah. Cherubs from hell. From hell. <laughs> I called them the uh, I called them the Chad and Jeremy <laughs> uh, podcast, or maybe it's a Peter and Gordon. And the, you know, uh, Peter and Gordon. Yeah, I'm love, like, I love, the, I love Daniel's '60s look. Like, <laughs> he refuses. It happens. Right? I'm not trying for it. He watches one episode of the Brady Punch. He's like, "That's what I, I want to look like." <laughs> I can get used to this. It's By the crazy. way, I don't know if you know their background, but they're they're both librarians, correct? Uh, I went to library school. I'm not a librarian yet, but we're both in the library services area. Yeah. Yeah. He's with the Haunted Brand Library, <laughs> right? And you're just a that guy investigated that the investigated library. We went around. I followed him as he asked questions in the dark rooms. I'm like, don't right. conjure anything. Don't conjure anything. Well, come on over here and introduce yourself <laughs> while you're here. Um, we just met. I've I met several of his, his folks. He's actually investigated this space, too. He investigates everything. Pretty well. <laughs> He's investigating me after this. <laughs> you're being indicted. <laughs> So what's your name? So my name's Kevin, and I'm with uh, Ghostwatch Paranormal here in Los Angeles. That's right. Let me tell you about, um, I, I've met Johnny Matuk, and uh, he's also with the group, and Paul Roberts, Roberts, he's with the group, and, um, and they're, the, the great thing about Johnny, and I, I love this guy, and here's why, I've only met him once, and it was actually here, uh, where we met in person. But he works at Warner Brothers. And I used to work at Warner Brothers in production. And I was a script PA in 1999. And I was going to, I think it was stage 28. It was the oldest sound stage on Warner Brothers. And it was Halloween night. <laughs> I don't believe anything. I, you know, again, this is one of those things where it's like, how can this be? I don't believe anything happens on <laughs> Halloween night. So I get called in early to drop off scripts. So it's like the sun hasn't even set. <laughs> it's, it's setting, but I've made about 500 scripts, and I go onto this dark sound stage <laughs> to drop off scripts. And as I go up this little rickety wooden ladder, I'm standing overlooking the stage. It was a show called Odd Man Out, terrible show, lasted less than one season, Marky Post. <laughs> um, and... Uh, uh, you'll edit that terrible Yeah, I'll cut it out, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be the only thing we release. <laughs> very pro No, it, 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 it did terribly at the ratings. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, uh, I'm up there, and I hear a woman talking suddenly. And I can't quite make out what she's saying, but she is talking. And back then, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have all this electronic stuff. Uh -huh. I had a pager. You know, so I just looked at my pager and go, okay, I'll give it 15, 20 minutes. If it's a radio left on, they'll have to break for a station ID. There's never such thing as dead air yeah. if it's a radio. And so I'll just listen. So I listen. There were lots of dead air, no radio breaks. It was a woman just reciting something. And it just seemed like it kept drifting and drifting. And on top of all of that, the overhead lights, the work lights at these old sound stages, they, I, I've been doing this for years, so I knew how they worked. You flip on the switches, they get 
they flicker a little bit, they get real dim, and then as they warm up, they get brighter. Mm -hmm. These were not catching on full. They were just flickering Oof. like crazy. <laughs> Half the lights never came on. So you had this kind of poltergeist Steven Spielberg produced. <laughs> okay, guys, I get on. it. You have this woman reciting, <laughs> and it's Halloween night, and I'm like going, I'm being punked. <laughs> Someone is punking me. And I'm like going, but who knows me to do this? And who would, who would go through these steps? To just freak out this little low-level employee just <laughs> through the night, getting scripts out to everybody, and um, and so I stayed there for 20 minutes, and then finally I was like, I got to get back to work. I still have 50 scripts I have to drop in the middle of the stage before I can leave. So I decided I'm going to sneak down the steps one by one, mm -hmm. you know, and see if I can surprise or keep the ghost going because I always. I knew enough about ghost lore that, you know, once you get down to the bottom of the steps, the voice will disappear, yeah. you know. Uh, I've seen a million movies and know how it happens. Just got to get back in sunlight. Yeah. Just got to get back in sunlight. I'm really sneaking down as quiet as I can. When I get halfway down the stairs, I'm still hearing her. I'm going, okay, good, good. Sneak down. By the time I get to the bottom of the stairs, the voice is gone. So I'm like going, ah. Well, I told myself while I was upstairs that I would still do a walkthrough and uh -huh. see if I can find any. It's still a dark set. The lights are still flashing crazy. Yeah. So I drop off the scripts in the middle of the sound stage. I walk around. I don't see anything out of the ordinary. No TVs, no radios, no intercoms are turned on. It's just me. <laughs> so I start walking across the stage to the door that I had come in. That's when I start hearing the clock, clock, clock of heels Ugh. and swish, swish, swish <laughs> of fabric like a dress, you know, behind me. And it was about 20 feet away. <sighs> and I go, okay, I'm hearing this. And it's not in sync with my own footsteps, yeah. okay? It's a little off. So um, I decided I would just stop and turn real quick and go, you know, busted. <laughs> so I stop and turn. No one's there. But what kind of creeped me out at the moment is that the footsteps didn't stop exactly when I stopped. It was like they're following me, and then I stopped suddenly. I made a very conscious, very precise yeah, I'm stop. stopping. They did, it was like a little stutter before it stopped. So uh, I turned around, didn't see anybody. I start walking. I get about three, four steps. I don't hear anything. And then suddenly I hear the clomp, 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 and the swish, swish, swish again. <laughs> Only this time it was closer. Well, this time it was about 10 feet behind me, and I was in a very wide open space. So there was, I had reached a point closer to the door where there was no way anyone could dart and hide behind a wall or a prop or anything. Yeah. Turn around a second time. Again, the same pattern. It didn't stop when I stopped, but it did stop, and there was no one there. So I went uh, hurriedly out the door this time, and I flicked off the lights. I said something kind of smart aleck to whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you had your fun. You had your fun. I'm going Great, I'm now. crying now. <laughs> Happy Halloween. <laughs> and I go out, and I'm like shaking, so I'm like, Smoking a couple no. of I had moved my golf cart so I could look at both entrances of the sound stage, just expecting some wise guy yeah. to come out. No one ever came out, right? So I did go back and finish my work. I tried to tell my supervisor, who was a good friend of mine, no one believed me. 
No one believed me and said, Halloween night, really? <laughs> <laughs> I talked to another, uh, I talked to another uh, security guard that, you know, sometimes we scare each other because uh -huh. he'll come in to make his rounds and I'm in there and we almost collide. He's like, hey, ghost story? And I told him what happened and he's like, on Halloween night? No. <laughs> and, uh, and I couldn't get anyone to fess up. Couldn't get anyone to fess up on anything. The most I could ever hear is from one security guard told me, well, you know, on some nights, some of the uh, overnight workers, the cleaners, some of them will quit for no reason at all while in Jack Warner's old office. <laughs> Aside from that, no stories of ghosts. So um, I must have worked like three, four different shows on that lot before I, you know, moved into another career <laughs> mode. And um, I wrote about it once. I finally, on my Bizarre Los Angeles Facebook page, I finally decided to put it down and publish it for Halloween season a few years ago. Within 24 hours, one of Warner Brothers' top executives started following me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, am I in trouble? <laughs> did, I, did I say something wrong? <laughs> then I ran into Johnny, okay? And Johnny works at Warner Brothers. And Johnny's a paranormal investigator. He knew exactly what soundstage I was talking about. He goes, oh, that sounds like soundstage 28. I went, I'll have to look it up because I can't remember. It's been a while. And uh, I did. Sure enough, he was right that I was right. We were, he knew the ghost stories on all of those places. People have finally come forward and started talking about Warner Brothers Studio being haunted, whereas before it was a well-kept secret. <laughs> You, I, when Johnny told me this, I mean, I was so excited. You know, it was like finally someone else experienced, but others had. Others have experienced that woman ghost yeah. in that sound, on that sound stage that's reciting something. There's supposed to be a man haunting there too, according to Johnny, but um, so yeah. So that's, that's how I got to know to know these people here, and we're supposed to be doing something here, so, <laughs> right? Hopefully, yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, that's I wanted you guys to meet him, and uh, thank you. Now, Pleasure did you ever you. find that this place was haunted? Do you think this place has paranormal activity? Was it last November? I think we did a uh, investigation here, and I. I actually didn't make this when I was already out of town for my sister's college graduation, but I did a lot of the audio review from our group, and I remember Johnny was here, and um, it was, I believe, Johnny, Olivia, and Paul, and um, going through the audio, they were asking questions, and we did pick up, you know, listening to the audio, you can hear people's distance from the microphone. Okay. And we picked up a female voice saying Johnny's name into the microphone on the recorder. <laughs> you know, when you listen to it long enough, you can tell, you know, you know kind of who's where in the room. Yeah. yeah. And then for this to be directly into the microphone, it was just, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even feel comfortable in this room now. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that wasn't, I didn't know this part wasn't here yet. It was no, over in that side. Side. Oh, yeah, that side. Yeah. yeah. Well. Wasn't it connected to the, uh, <clears throat> Which that came from Paramount Studios. Oh. I believe, I believe that's right. Yeah. Johnny's witch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I think that the uh, predominant theory about why this is haunted may have to do with artifacts that have been brought in. Okay, 
Um, there may have been something that happened at the strip is like from the what, 1950s. You are seeing more mid-century modern ghosts popping up in social lore, you know. Um, and and I, I've even come across now ghosts, ghosts from the 80s uh, are coming in. Yeah. Bitches. So, uh, <laughs> exactly. Bitches. <laughs> I smell hairspray uh, somewhere. <laughs> that was one gnarly house. <laughs> So the pipes are from the 40s. Yeah, so this, yeah, this the haunted pipes. Yeah, the, the, like the overhead pipes. 30s. So you can tell, like, and I was like, oh, I thought this building was from the 80s, but it turns out that, yeah, they were building buildings on Magnolia for a long, long time. Hmm. But predominantly, Burbank was up and running in, in the 50s with its <laughs> main hype. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was such a studio yeah. town, <clears throat> um, much more so than, than now. It was, uh, but, before uh, that, it was the, the Army base and the, uh, what was that called? The, um, where all the planes, the big, it was like, Not so like all the those central. houses on Chandler were for, for, uh, for the uh, soldiers to live in. Oh, right. Oh, really? The barracks? Yeah. yeah. There was an Okay. Uh, yeah, so they had, that's, that was more like 30s and 20s mm -hmm. and stuff like that. So you, that's why there's so many tiny, tiny houses. <laughs> it, was, it was lodging for the... Okay, it's good to know. Yeah, write that down. I gotta, you gotta come back here and say it all into the microphone now because yeah. it's a bunch of me going, uh huh. Yeah, didn't mean anything before. <laughs> Lockheed, I think, Lockheed, I think it was, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely am familiar with the. They had like a, a base during World War II where they, the studio technicians actually created a, a fake front overhead, like a tarp, yeah, so that when planes flew over they couldn't see that it was a factory underneath <laughs> tarp was like this rural road you know and and uh topography and terrain <laughs> but it was just a it was a tarp and they got the studio uh set directors and and studio personnel at warner brothers and universal to create that for them you can find uh picture i wrote about that on bizarre los angeles years ago but you can find those photos those aerial photos of how these uh top secret in a warplane machine <laughs> factories were working um, but what it looked like from above because they didn't want to get bombed or get targeted for in the case of a, a, a Japanese or German assault hmm. by air <laughs> so uh, yeah um, briefly before we wrap up can we talk about haunted spots in Burbank other than the Mystic Museum because all I could think of is the Coral, Coral Cafe, Cafe. what? Really? Coral Cafe? You mean I can go back there? How come I'm scared to go to the bathroom? <laughs> <laughs> the video that's uh, online uh, was debunked by a friend of mine when I showed her. Showed her. She's like, no, that's fake. I was like, what? And that's kind of like where the main rumor started. Uh -huh. You can see the guy, the person's uh, reflection in the shiny wallpaper on the side. Oh. Like, no, see, there's actually person wallpaper. They forgot to take, get rid of that. Eric is debunking our Coral Cafe. Yeah. What you can't hear is that he confirmed it and we're right. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. That's, that's fair. Everyone to the Coral Cafe. <laughs> Your treat. Have you heard about it? I've heard about it. I've never been to it. It's 24 hours, so it's really hard to get in there and do investigation. Yeah, right. But easy to get in and eat. The best show has been brought to you by Coral Cafe. <laughs> 
yeah, I, I told my Warner Brothers story, so that was my. That's a good. One. That's yeah, and and again, um, Johnny knows every the ins and outs. I mean, he knows even some of them sound quite wild, some not so <laughs> wild. I, I was shocked to hear, you know, one of the shows I worked on was in the original writers' building, but we just had the the bottom floor. But Johnny told me all about the top floor being haunted, you know, and people hearing the sound of a typewriter late at night going, and not a modern typewriter, not that there's such thing as those anymore, but, you know, the tap, tap, tap of an old Underwood. And uh, there's something else that people have seen up there or have heard as well. Quite a few around the the church area right there in the middle and stuff like that. People see a shadow of, I believe it's a, can't remember the guy. A shadow around the church? Yeah, they cross I love that book. Crosses through there, down by the garden, stuff like that. And how does how does the studio feel about their ghost stories now? <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna wrap it. <laughs> no, actually, um, was it last year I believe they actually invited our group there because when uh, when they were shooting Conjuring Two, Johnny actually got to talking to some of the people there. And our group got invited to investigate the set of The Conjuring 2. Oh, okay. Warner Brothers Law while it was in. Yeah. So um, after doing that, we kind of got some ideas to the tours department, and they actually brought us in to help with their um, haunted Halloween tours last year. Or, I'm sorry, not last year, be the year before. And so they were pretty, pretty open to that, you know. They set us up kind of in front of stage four where they shot it, and... As they brought the trams by, we would like let them hear some more evidence that we caught and stuff like that. So they were pretty open to it. That's good. I mean, the, the, um, it can only help them. Yes. I and mean, once, well, Universal. I mean, every studio is supposed to be haunted. Mm-hmm. I mean, Rally Studio, Paramount, uh, of course, Universal. You know, loves to promote all of that. <laughs> um, but Disney, the Disney Studio, doesn't really talk about it. <laughs> uh, nor does, uh, but the Disney studio is still fairly new compared to Until the Until they studios. buy a ghost franchise and then they'll say, yeah, we're haunted. Well, even exactly. Disneyland, I worked on a, a production down there and we was going through security and I had on my ghost watch jacket and the security guy's like, oh, so you're here for the ghost, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that guy no, was Disney, never heard of again. Disneyland's <laughs> supposed to be haunted, for sure. So uh, there's been tons of stories and a few books written about that. And some stories are more credible than others be interesting to you know I haven't latched on it takes a lot of time to like take on a case and like really research it to its roots you know there's a story about a kid that died in the in the haunted mansion well I you know I'd have to dig deep to find out if that's true or not or whether a dying child's last wish was to go on the Caribbean you know Pirates of the Caribbean <laughs> ride and that his ghost still haunts you know you'd have to get more details and be able to research that to run them down but <clears throat> I was able to catch a lot of stuff just you'd be surprised it, it does take a lot of work and and quite frankly the ghost hunting can be kind of boring uh, history sometimes historic research can be boring but I actually got no. more of a charge coming up with new information that just forgotten stories are my favorite you know so if you're reading, I come across a story about a wild bull that got lost, got loose on the second floor of the Alexandria Hotel and started chasing around a woman in a red dress. 
you know, that is great. Why hasn't why has anyone discussed this story before? You know, why are we talking about, you know, other stupid stuff that isn't true, like Valentino dancing the, you know, riding down from horseback to, to a speakeasy, which makes no logical sense, <laughs> to dance the tango. <laughs> As if anyone would want to dance with someone that smelled like a horse. <laughs> you know, uh, right now. It takes down two to there. smell like a horse. You know, all of these things sound great, but when you hold them under the light of scrutiny, and, you know, once you realize that, hey, you know, Valentino didn't own any horses when he lived in Hills. Ghost horse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he didn't own horses until Falcon Lair, and that's quite a jaunt to ride from horseback from Falcon Lair. <laughs> To Hollywood to drink in a speakeasy. <laughs> you know, that's just a recipe for as drunk as he was. No one's going to ask any questions about the horse. The only reason why anyone would do that was to get attention, and if there's no no uh, news source to back it up, yeah. then it was a really bad publicity stunt. You know? <laughs> so yeah, you know, stuff doesn't make sense, and and that's why I always kind of encourage. It's okay to believe in ghosts. It's okay not to believe in ghosts. Um, but the ghost legends, uh, I, I, I ask everyone, you know, check and double check, question where they came from because chances are there are a lot of them are like Greek myths, you know, back in the days of Greece. Fire, how, did, how do we explain that? Well, obviously a god came down. How did Mary Jane get, you know, knocked up? Well... It must have been a god, <laughs> a peacock, and um, so they're just pulling this stuff and trying to make it fit in order to get, create an identity or an origin for the ghost. I'll give you one example, and uh, I'll leave it at that. It's not in this book. It'll be later in volume two. One of my pet peeves is the Bella Maggiore Inn. Where's that? In Ventura County. Okay. The ghost story, and I'll, I'll air my frustration here in a bit. I, I'm very frustrated <laughs> with the Queen Mary ghost stories, too. <laughs> but, but, the, uh, but the Bella Maggiore Inn, let me just tell you. Um, the story is that a prostitute in 1947 named Sylvia Michael uh, committed suicide in either room 15 or room 17 by hanging herself in the closet and that um, she did so after her boyfriend, who was a sailor, uh, broke up with her and went back to his wife. And this has been on America's Most Haunted, it's been on Haunted Hotels, the Authentic Entertainment, it's been written about in several books. The Ventura Star has even uh, printed in past years a, a artist, artistic rendering of the woman. Okay, so we have an idea of what she looked like. <laughs> um, it was all made up in the, in, in the 1980s. The room that Sylvia supposedly died in was the shared men's restroom back when <laughs> it was a hotel. That was impossible. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvia originally was, I, I know who made it, I, I actually traced the man who told me I made that story up, okay? <laughs> he had some employees, co-workers working with him that knew something was wrong in haunting the hotel. So he came up with the story. 
of a woman named Sylvia. Only his version of the story was that she was a mail-order bride that got rejected by her husband, so she kills herself. Then a certain well-known Ventura ghost hunter slash lecturer slash author, he comes in, holds a seance, and they come up with this whole convoluted story <laughs> via seance of Sylvia Michaels, prostitute from Atlantic City, and, and came in and got knocked up, was hoping to marry the sailor, and the sailor abandons her. Then, after that caught wind, because he started telling the story on his tours, and everywhere, anyone who'd listened to him, he got on the air, he told stories. Then, <clears throat> the story changed, where maybe she didn't commit suicide. Maybe she was murdered by a petty officer. Okay, guess who made that? The same guy that made up the story about the Sylvia also, Michaels. And, uh, he, couldn't even, he couldn't even stay true to his own story. He had to change it up to keep it fresh, I guess. I don't know. So I'm like going, what, what is this? I mean, this makes no sense um, why this story would be there. But when I started talking to people that had paranormal experiences in that room, you know what they're saying? And it makes a lot more sense. They're saying that while they're there, a bar of soap would levitate and fly across the room, or a hand towel would suddenly yank and fall to the floor. All of these are bathroom-related incidents, only to find out later that that's exactly what that room used to be, <laughs> a shared bathroom. So I'll write to occasional paranormal investigators because you know what a lot of them are doing? It's so silly. And I'm probably going to get a lot of hate mail after this. <laughs> Let me know if you want me to cut this out. <laughs> but they'll bring flower offerings to Sylvia. They go, Sylvia, here are flowers. Now come talk to us. And I'm like, guys, buy my book. Follow me. Buy me and flowers. We'll save tons of money on roses. <laughs> because you're not hunting ghosts. You're hunting snipes at this point. Now, is there a woman haunting there? Yes, I believe so. I believe that, but I, I, I know the history of the Bella Maggiorian as best as anyone does. No one knows the, the total history because it, it was always under the radar map. But I can explain why that building is, is built so funky because I, I know what happened. And that's what I keep encouraging paranormal investigators or anyone that loves ghosts lore or whatever is just don't always accept uh, a story unless you question it and find out where the roots of it came from. Find out the, the basic questions, the whys, the hows, the what, <laughs> what, you know, and, um, and that's, the, that's the main thing that I find wrong with the majority of paranormal investigators out there is that they take things for granted. Because, oh, someone said, said, oh, because Ghost Adventure said it must be true. <laughs> well, it's not usually true. Um, that's why researchers, researchers can sometimes make good paranormal investigators. I try. <laughs> I'm not the best, you know, and I don't pretend to be the best. I do try to use the very best skills that I know how, critical thinking skills, logic, and, and whatnot. Um, but a researcher is a great asset 
to any paranormal team, and it's more valuable than a ghost box. <laughs> That's always more my favorite part. It's more valuable than an ovulus. <laughs> some of these little silly instruments that are used for finding ghosts that people swear by, you know, and um, I have issues with those because the the information that I get does not convince me as a historian that what they're finding is anything related to history or the nature of the hauntings there. And um, because I'll, you, you give a ghost hunter a ghost box, put him into the Sylvia Michaels room at, at the Bella Maggiore, and he'll have a great conversation with <laughs> Sylvia Michaels, the ghost that doesn't exist, <laughs> at least by that name, you know. Now I will say that I did stay in that room during my photo shoot there. And uh, things did happen in that room that were very weird, <laughs> especially on my last night, you know. Um, but I can't say it's Sylvia. If anything, you know what it sounded like? A male. Which would make sense, again, historically, because that room was the male public restroom, <laughs> shared restroom for that building. And um, so the Sylvia Michael thing took off with a life of its own. You can go on and kind of apply the same rules to Jackie the ghost child at the Queen Mary. Um, I can always judge a paranormal investigator by what they say about Jackie. <laughs> and they don't do the research. They don't realize that uh, they, they all of them know that Jackie never, there's no record of a Jackie Turan or Turin. Can you, can you go back a little bit and explain to people like me who don't know what that is? Oh, Queen Mary? No, I know what the Queen Mary is. <laughs> it's something it's with water, ship, right? <laughs> it's actually legally a building. So when you call is it, it a ship, it's actually incorrect. It's a, it's a building. They're renting office spaces on that and net? You try to put that to sea, and it sinks like a rock. <laughs> um, okay. Queen Mary is famous for a ghost child that uh, apparently is recorded uh, the most and seen the most in the first class swimming pool, okay? Um, she's also been seen in other parts, but that's primarily what she is. She's supposed to be like an eight or nine year old girl. Some say she's blonde, some say she's got dark hair. She seems to be dressed from either the 30s or 40s from those that have seen her. And uh, the story, there was a psychic, late psychic, Peter James, came on board in 1989 uh, and in 1990, and he gave her that name, Jackie Torrent, and he built this whole case that he was the um, he was basically his the ghost godfather. We are very close, Jackie and I. You know, so <laughs> quote Peter, and uh, and you know he'd bring these whole groups in, and he called Jackie, Jackie, come to the light. Come to the light, come live in love, you know, <laughs> come forward, Jackie, Jackie. And, and, uh, and occasionally she would come by and say something, okay? And then he, he got a lot of uh, fame for that and a lot of acclaim for it, okay? Um, then he, he was on Sightings, the TV show in the 80s and 90s, and then he came back to the Queen Mary after Sightings ended. He got involved with a group that was sketchy at best. Um, they held ghost expeditions at, from the Vogue Theater. And uh, then Peter James came back and he was in very ill health and he was trying to 
get something going again. So he brought back a lot of the stories that he had told back in the 80s, and then health caught the best of him, and he passed away in 2007. And people that have known him and liked him love him. And quite frankly, I've read many of his works, and I agree almost 90% with his paranormal theories. He's not a guy to just dismiss as, you know, the worst. <laughs> However, he was a showman, and he was around in the Disney thing, and he never stayed true to any story. It was always embellished, and it got even more embellished as he got older and his health started to fail. So much of his stuff is not true. And he, even though he still has a cult following, um, even they, I think, look the other way. They ignore some of the other things that were going on with him and some of the things that he was saying. That was outrageously false. So the Queen Mary has distanced themselves from Peter James in recent years. And so they took down the Peter James videotape tours and stuff. But let's get back to Jackie. He gave Jackie the name in 1990. Um, he was part of the Disney team. He wasn't an employee of Disney. He was an independent contractor, so he could keep his mustache, and he didn't have to wear mouse ears or dress in a, in a costume or anything like that. He could be Peter James, but he was carrying around a lot of the same rhetoric that was going around back then about murders this, murder that. Now, in 1983, the uh, Queen Mary, thanks to an author for the Long Beach paper, they did a soft opening for the ghost legends by saying that two women drowned in a swimming pool. By the time Peter James came on, 1989, he had named one of the females that had drowned as Jackie Turing and put it in the second class swimming pool, which no longer exists. He gets the location wrong because he says it was in the theater, the Royal Theater, whatever it was down there, that was the site of the second-class swimming pool. It was actually the site of the second-class swimming pool's changing room. It wasn't <laughs> quite the pool where she drowned. But then again, you know, if you, you if you believe Peter James, you're well, you have to believe in all the the other inappropriate, uh, not inappropriate, but incorrect information that comes along with it. Okay, so Peter James then identified a second female. I forgot the name of her. But, uh, but he, he ended up positively identifying with a name two females that drowned in the pool in 1990. All right, well, in 1990, Disney abandoned their lease and moved out. The Queen Mary closed down for a while. Then uh, another company assumed the lease. And uh, it was a guy named Prevachil. I always get his name mixed up, but he's a very colorful character. You either love him or you hate him in Long Beach. But he came in on board, and what he did is he finally got the official records and put the names of the people that literally they have records of as dying on the walls of the Queen Mary. And they finally said no people drowned in the pool. Hard stance. No records of it. And, and in doing my research, it seems likely that is true because any kind of turbulence, while well, that, that liner was overseas, they immediately shut down the pools. They would not let you swim under any kind of heavy turbulence while at sea. So they were very mindful not to have drownings there, okay? Um, 
they're very tight with that, that policy. Okay, fast forward to 2000, early 2000s when Peter James came back after being away for so long. He started retelling the same stories, but none of his stories corroborated with <laughs> any of the information <laughs> of deaths on the plaques, okay? None of them. And um, so you either believed him or you didn't believe. And, uh, and so it, it, you know, it became a choice. Um, but he still kept insisting that that child's name is Jackie. Now, I, I'm friends with the current paranormal investigator uh, that runs the independent uh, tours there, and I asked him about that. And he, he claims that it is Jackie, okay? And I said, well, I could be wrong. Maybe it is Jackie. But I said, why don't someone go to the first class swimming pool that has access and just call out Myrtle for about five days <laughs> at all hours of the night? Myrtle, come forward, Myrtle. Myrtle, are you there? Myrtle, and I bet you, I'd be willing to wager that child will come through and talk. It's not responding to Jackie, the name Jackie, in my opinion. It's just coming through when it can come through. So you can call it any name. So, um, but you know, I, it's hard to get people to run that test. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a valid one because there is no one named Jackie that died there. And let and let's let's go back even further in my research. Guess when the ghost story started with children? We started in the 1950s. So Peter James didn't invent this ghost child. He was fortunate to be the first one to record it and document <laughs> it. But staff and passengers had seen ghost children on that ship uh, as early as, I want to say 1956. It could go back earlier than that. But 1956, 1957 is the, the year, that, the earliest year I could trace it back to. Okay, uh, <laughs> bearing that in mind, uh -huh. the ghost was not centered the children were not centered in the first class swimming pool. They were all over the ship, especially the upper decks. They'd be playing in empty cabins. And, you know, they'd be making a ruckus. They'd enter the empty, ca uh, the steward would empty, uh, enter the empty ca uh, cabin. No one was there. Uh, even when the Queen Mary was being refitted as a tourist attraction in 1969 and 68, there were stories uh, reported in the London paper as well as the Long Beach talking about little children, the sound of little children playing and running around the M decks and all the other decks, you know, where the cabins were, okay? There's a story in, uh, in the late 50s of uh, one of the uh, cooks went into a meat locker way below in the lower decks and he was practicing the trumpet alone and he got spooked when he heard a little girl start crying down there. So the little girl ghost or little children ghost, they were all over the ship. So why aren't they all over the ship now and in the first class swimming pool? Well, there is a good reason, there's a good, pretty good guess there. And that's because um, when the ship was active up until around 1969, those engines were running and there was lots of energy being pumped throughout that whole ship. That ship was energized. When they cut those engines and they cut that master clock and they turned this ship into dead silence, there was no energy for 
uh, goes to feed from, okay, so to speak. That's one of the other theories, is that goes feed off of energy. And uh, so when you cut out all the, the, uh, the energy uh, from the place, it gets still, and there's no place for those to really draw energy. <clears throat> that also explains why, if you've ever stayed in the cabins, why you can hear everything going on next door. <laughs> I mean, you can hear everything. Uh, you can hear belching. You can hear, you, it, I was staying one time, and I, I, I felt like I had just watched Oprah. I heard every word of that now, <laughs> bleeding in through the walls. Well, it's because the engines masked the sound from next door, so they didn't have to make fully insulated walls. Uh, okay, here's my theory, and it's a pretty good theory. The first class swimming pool, the ceiling, is uh, crystal quartz. Crystal quartz is supposed to be a conduit for energy. Hmm. And that's why you, that is the hot spot for the paranormal activity. It's not because there's this hole ozone hole or dimensional hole where ghosts can come in and come out. <laughs> My experience in looking over years and years of research, it seems to be the same ghosts, okay, over and over again. It's not this multitude of coming and going. So with that in mind, uh, I need to wrap up, but um, I think it's the crystal quartz that, that is what is keeping that area active and uh, as opposed to other parts of the ship. Crystal quartz. Crystal quartz. Let's go if right there's now. There's one thing you take from this. It's crystal quartz. <laughs> <laughs>